1: So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio.
0: It's so good to be with you. I'm going to talk today about how to get pregnant. Believe it or not, it's a question I actually receive quite often. And I think it's interesting, in a culture where there are so many people who would like to get married and have children, to those who are married and struggling to conceive children in their 20s, 30s, 40s, what can be done? Joining me in just a moment will be Dr. Susan Caldwell to answer this question that should seem simple, how to get pregnant, pizza and beer, you name it. Well, we'll give some concrete everything advice from guidance and understanding when you can get pregnant supplements things that might get in the way of becoming pregnant sperm health as well gentlemen you're involved too to timeline and when to seek after help from a doctor. I'm also going to unpack Shia LaBeouf's story in his own words here on Trending. I watched an incredible interview with Bishop Robert Barron and the actor Shia LaBeouf, childhood actor for me, watching shows such as Even Stevens, movies such as Holes, and then all of the adult films he's also done as well. But news broke yesterday that Shia LaBeouf has had a massive conversion into Catholicism, and I pulled parts of the interview to just share with you the depth of this incredible conversion. A young man for years who we saw running into things, doing funny things, and making people laugh as he got hurt on television to today truly suffering and bleeding, the transformation of his story. It's an incredible story and I can't wait to share some of it with you. Joining me now here on Trending is Dr. Susan Caldwell. She's a Napro physician who specializes in addressing fertility, infertility, and underlying health women's issues to help in many ways achieve pregnancy and Overall health for women, and to answer the question today, Doctor Caldwell, we're going to unpack the topic of how to get pregnant. Where do we begin?
2: Hey, Timmy! So happy to finally be back with you. This is a great question. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, so just to frame this, we have to think of conceiving as, you know, this magical combination of three factors coming together, three basic factors, a good egg from the woman, ovulated, um, and wonderful mucus, and healthy sperm. So the mucus is important because the sperm and egg will never meet if there's not good mucus um, secreted by the woman's uh, cervix, which is the lower part of her, her womb. So, those are the two, the three big um, things that kind of have to come together uh, for a woman uh, to conceive and for a couple to conceive. Um, and so, we will unpack those things today.
0: Excellent. Now, again, Take out your notes, save this podcast. It'll be available later on wherever you catch your podcast, relevantradio.com. We're there as well because these are details that are helpful. I remember when I was married and we knew there were some big roadblocks to having children. And these are all the steps that I first started to be walked through in order to know okay, what will help in achieving pregnancy given. Just so many interruptions today from food to underlying health issues to uh, the damage of having for some people use birth control or other medications impacting infertility. So let's talk about the egg, the mucus, and the sperm mm-hmm. to know how to make it all happen. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Okay, first, we have to recognize that ovulation is a good thing, right? So the, the women are her- here from the time they're, you know, become um, – fertile in puberty. They hear, oh, you know, here's the pill. It's going to, you know, help your acne. It's going to help your mood. It's going to be the, you know, the, the, the thing that kind of makes you feel great all the time. Okay. That's a lie. So we have to appreciate that we cannot ovulate on, on birth control. So we have to not only get rid of any, any birth control or disrupt anything that's going to disrupt ovulation, but we need to start paying attention. Women need to turn toward, um, their bodies and, and ask this question, How am I, am I, am I ovulating? Um, and, and women only ovulate once a month and that egg only lives 12 to 24 hours. So it's really important for a woman to be aware of that every month. And there's lots of different, um, apps, although apps, we can't really trust in terms of them telling you when you're ovulating, but they can kind of give you an idea, a guide of, of maybe how to look for ovulation, and, and and with that we'll get to the cervix and the cervical mucus in a minute to talk about that. But um, but but women, I, I recommend they they start charting, uh, find a teacher, find a, a system, um, and pay attention to ovulation. Um, the next thing we'll talk about is just a woman's health underlying that. So in order for a woman to ovulate properly there's got to be a a foundation of health there. Um, She's got to be really taking care of the basic needs of her body. Um, If not, then her reproductive system will necessarily kind of be shut down in order that her, her resources, her energy would be conserved for her other expenditures. So you, you. I'm sure you've heard that you know girls who are on the track team or competitive swimming in high school they often lose their periods. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of speaks to that. So what the, what her body's doing? Very, very intelligent system. Our bodies, right? So our body's saying, "Wait a second. We don't have enough energy to create another person inside the body. So what we're going to do is just kind of get rid of ovulation, so we can conserve our energy to keep our brain and our heart." Kidneys and lungs and all that going. So, so really uh, speaking to that though, um, how can women tell whether or not they're healthy? Um, it's tough these days because we know that eighty-eight percent of adults are somewhere on the spectrum of insulin resistance, prediabetes, or diabetes. Eighty-eight percent. Wow. It is. Amazing and insulin um, is is a is a reproductive toxin. So if there's too much insulin, in other words, if a woman is um, is is eating food or we'll get to this, sleep is so important too. Um, poor sleep, these things can raise our stress hormone levels, raise our insulin hormone level, um, and and that can be, that can be a signal to our ovaries to not ovulate because we're not healthy enough. And yeah, and it's it's amazing. And then sleep, when we're not getting enough sleep, we have re- high spikes in cortisol, which can also be a signal to the brain that there's way too much stress going on, don't ovulate.
0: Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is diet and sleep play a big role in a society that is so focused on productivity. And I think especially as women, in if you enter into those work years or maybe you're trying to balance family and work, you just keep going like an energizer bunny until you absolutely implode. And the reality is, is that we need at least eight hours of sleep and we need to eat far better than we are. We're not taking good care of ourselves. And I know, for example, myself, I need really ideally – they're, most seasons I need about 9 hours of sleep. Like I I need it. I can't go below 8. And I think sometimes we don't know our bodies. You know, I know I really can't eat sugar. I feel terrible and that can be a problem mm-hmm. and a cause for stress with fertility. And so, knowing these things beforehand can be a game changer for so many women. Uh, how would you recommend to start cleaning the diet up and how mm. to start making good habits with sleep?
2: Wow. Um that is really uh so so that's that's a good such a good question so number 1 i mean this is a whole podcast on its on its own but um we got to get rid of processed foods right so colas um you know diet co- colas as well um it, things that are very processed like you know the th- oreos and the and the, the baked goods and and the fast food restaurants and those things we really need to eat real food and lots mm. of water Um, yeah, so, so that, and that's tough because often, you know, we like to run on caffeine and alcohol and sugar and, you know, all the junk food, but, but when a woman's body is preparing to, to create another human being, it needs to be in top form, almost like an Olympic athlete, you know, who's, who's preparing for their Olympic, um, competition. We have to think of ourselves as that needy. Right. That Mm -hmm. that in need of good, good nutrition, sleep and
0: care. Right. And I'm going to recommend some cookbooks because I know sometimes, I know for me, I had to relearn how to cook. I found out I had all these food allergies. I had a histamine issue at one point. I had thyroid issues, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And my mind in each diagnosis was like exploding going, okay, well now how do I learn how to cook? Now how do I Mm -hmm. learn how to cook? I can't eat all these different things. And so I'm going to share some cookbooks on uh, social media. So keep an eye out for that over the next day. I'll be sure to get it up over the weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, But can you speak to how briefly, I know we've talked a a lot about this, Dr. Caldwell, um, how gluten and dairy also play a big role in causing inflammation, sometimes preventing fertility as well.
2: You know, as, as much as I hate to admit it, they do. I love gluten, I love dairy, and I love sugar. So I am the first one to just have grief around all of this, right? But it is an objective truth that these three types of foods are inflammatory. That means they cause. Abnormal blood flow, cytokine production, leaky gut, swelling in different air. I mean, it's just, they're really from, for many, and many people, and there's, and there's a spectrum. You know, some people aren't as bothered, but I would say if you're a woman, especially a woman who is having trouble getting pregnant or um is, is, you know, they know, you know, you've been told something's wrong with your blood sugar or, you're struggling with weight, and and you have other maybe signs of metabolic disease. Man, that would be a, those three things just to the, dial them down, just to acknowledge where you are in terms of of your intake of these things, just to just to admit it, just to say you know okay, what I, I, I have trouble here, and then st- have a plan to dial back and get rid of of the things that maybe maybe cheese. I mean <laughs> things like that. People love cheese. It's so sad. Um, But, but cheese isn't always good for, um, you know, uh, dairy is great for baby cows you know, but maybe not for humans.
0: <laughs> I love when people say that. I think it triggers many individuals. Yeah. Okay, that gives us a true. crash course on diet. Again, I'll post uh, some links on social media as well as a post on social media some of my favorite cookbooks, Autumn Paleo cookbooks, maybe mm-hmm. Thyroid Reset cookbooks that are all really helpful and fun and it makes it easy with meal plans and all mm-hmm. of that. And I'll post a link on how to sleep better. We've done some great episodes on how to do that. So I'll share some of those podcasts. Dr. Caldwell, how does thyroid and mm-hmm. what are the roles of vitamins in this whole process mm-hmm. of figuring out how on earth can I get mm-hmm. pregnant?
2: Mm-hmm. So thyroid is crucial. You know, thyroid kind of runs our motor in terms of all of these functions that our body's trying to t- trying to perform every day. Everything from our thinking to our metabolism, um, even to our sleep and especially ovulation. Um, so I think every woman, young woman, really needs to know at least her TSH, which is the, the main thyroid hormone that the brain makes in response of, in response to what the thyroid gland itself um, secretes. So it would be great for, for everybody. I think OBs pretty much do that on um, wellness exams. Um, and if the thyroid TSH hormone is above 2.5, it might – you might need to have a conversation with your doctor, asking to help you to get that TSH less than two point five. Um, we, we now know that women, especially ovulating women, have different metabolic requirements than, say, a fifty-year-old man would have. So I will, you know, when I'm exam- when I'm looking at labs, if a man's thyroid is three point five, I'm not going to blink an eye, especially if he is thriving and feeling great. But if a woman who's a reproductive age has a, a TSH of 3.5, the alarm bells are going off in my head. And this was not the case until I started taking care of women who were trying to conceive. So thyroid's really important. Um, but again, thyroid good thyroid function also depends on things like vitamins, like vitamin D. Another one is iron. The vast majority of women that I see of reproductive age are very low in iron. They are critically low in, in this test called ferritin, which is the measure of the total body uh, storage form of iron. So make sure you're taking iron, make sure you're taking vitamin D, um, vitamin D, maybe just 2000 units a day um, and a good prenatal vitamin. I would recommend one um, that instead of folic acid has something called methyl folate in it, like the word, you know, in the ingredients list instead of folic acid, um, which is the, the, not the optimal form of folic acid? Actually, folate is the optimal form um, of that. So a, a methylated prenatal vitamin, vitamin D, and iron are absolutely a must.
0: Um, and then whatever
2: else your your doctor does, you know tests, and some people B twelve is an issue. Um, and mm-hmm. and with thyroid, you know, again, D is important, iron is important, selenium, zinc is important if you have thyroid mm-hmm. issues. Yeah.
0: And all of these are so helpful, too, because if you check it, make sure you're on a good track before you get pregnant, and then you're able to achieve pregnancy, and you have that baby cooking, pregnancy can have its challenges and exhaustion. You want to make sure you're at optimal levels with Mm -hmm. all of these vitamins as well to make pregnancy easier if you're deficient Mm. in iron that can be really exhausting for you. Vitamin D, There are so many things that can go um, really kind of uh, pulling from mom's energy source while she's cooking that baby as well. So here is our crash course on how to get pregnant. Believe it or not, it's a question I receive quite often. And so this is a podcast to share with a friend kind of share an archive for later when someone asks later on. That's been Dr. Susan Caldwell here on Trending with Tim, or you can find her at drsusancaldwell.com. That's drsusancaldwell.com. I'll post a link on social media as well as in the po- podcast notes. Also, shout out, I'll be in the Twin Cities area on September 15th for Relevant Radio's annual Christ Brings Hope Banquet. If you're in the area, I invite you to join me at the JW Marriott at the Mall of America for the evening. To register, go to RelevantRadio.com and click the Events tab for Minnesota. Tickets are going fast. I really hope to see you there, so be sure to get your ticket today. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. I'll be right back here on Trending with Dr. Susan Caldwell talking about how on earth to get pregnant from vitamins, Thyroid, All of these pieces we've been discussing so far, but next we're going to talk about sperm health, timeline, and when to seek help from a doctor, and what type of doctor to contact, because that matters too. I'll be right back here on Trending.
1: Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
0: I listened to the full interview of actor Shia LaBeouf's conversion story of becoming Catholic. It is incredible. I'm going to share parts of it with you today in his own words. You can listen to some of the incredible stories, so stay with me because I am so excited to hear this childhood actor who we saw on TV and things such as even Stevens, Holes, the many movies he's done as an adult, have this profound conversion after absolutely hitting rock bottom in being in a true place of despair. Joining me now, though, is Dr. Susan Caldwell. She's a NAPRO physician specializing in fertility, infertility and treating women's underlying health issues. You can find her at drsusancaldwell.com. We'll post a link on the podcast notes as well as on social media. Just follow me at Timree, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, where we've also tagged her. Dr. Caldwell is here to help us answer the question that I receive all of the time. The question I think would be very simple, but with the impact of environment, food, health issues, it's not so easy. And the question is this Timory, how do I get pregnant? How can I get pregnant? And so to unpack that with us today has been Dr. Susan Caldwell. We've talked about egg and ovulation the importance of certain types of vitamins thyroid sleep diet a lot of the basics that you'd be surprised how influential they are on fertility ovulation and again that even potential to have a child now we're going to unpack sperm health because gentlemen you matter too so this isn't just for women we'll talk about timeline and when it's time to seek help from a doctor and what type of doctor that should be dr caldwell how much does sperm health matter in the whole grand scheme of achieving pregnancy? I know when I first went to a natural specialist like yourself, uh, one of the first things they gave me was a handout. One side it was on good egg quality. The other side was on sperm health. And my poor husband, you know—you go home and you share this with your husband. And I think every man's like, wait, what's wrong with my sperm? Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that sperm health matters. Can you share with us a little bit about that?
2: It really does matter. Um, so I've I've learned um, that sperm. Um, so s- sperm. We're in a crisis of sperm health in our in our <laughs> in our culture today. S- um, sperm counts have been declining over time, um, and one of the main reasons for this, especially in younger men, even younger men under forty, um, and what I understand to be. Probably more at the root of this is something I mentioned earlier about our, our metabolic health. Um, again, 88% of adults are somewhere on the spectrum of insulin resistance, prediabetes, diabetes diabetes, um, and most of us don't know it, and so this is critically important. Um, as I said before with women, um, when we're not optimally healthy, our reproductive system is going to be downregulated so that we can preserve our energy and resources to just function um, to survive, right? And and so reproduction is a function of a, a thriving human being, not just a surviving human being. So we we are seeing this crisis of health um, in, in men of reproductive age. Um, So we really need to uh, remind our guys um, that they too need um, to cut back on the junk food, (laughs) to get their sleep, um, take their vitamins, uh, you know. Now, what you mentioned earlier, you know, when you go to the doctor, I'll I'll be honest, when I see a couple who's trying to conceive, all of my attention is going to be on the woman, right? Because by far, she's got the more complex system, (laughs) Um, by far than the man so but the men aren't off the hook right so um if if there has been um a you know six to months to a year um delay in pregnancy it it is a good idea for a man to have a semen analysis um to, to check the sperm and just make sure the morphology is okay um the the count is okay um, and just, you know, I, I, I see occasionally there's, there's, there are men with no sperm that had no idea they had no sperm. Um, and that's devastating when you see that. But that does need to be diagnosed and that, that person does need to get to um, a specialist for that. But but there are many, many supplements for men, um, especially for things like morphology. So, vitamin C is really great. Alpha lipoic acid is good. Something called pycnogenol is a supplement that's great for sperm health. Um, but men have to eat real food. They have to get real sleep. Uh, they have to exercise, but not too much. Um, so, w- we definitely want to um, encourage them to not, you know, just. Focus, you know, all their attention on. Oh, it's my. It must be the my wife's issue, because um, mm. many, many times it, it does involve the husband's health. So they need the attention too.
0: I'm so glad you brought this up because, again, like you said, it's usually solely focused on women, and to help with these small things, diet, exercise. Uh, vitamins and it's all about quality right quality sperm and i think that's the challenge with the decrease in male health and the decrease in the quantity of sperm today it's something to pay attention to that's dr susan caldwell here on trending answering the question how do i get pregnant let's talk about timeline and mm. knowing what's adequate what's inadequate i know some friends of mine they'll get pregnant and when they're not pregnant in two months they are like sitting here mm-hmm. you know, nervous and shaky and stressed out and then others you know it takes a few years it, the timing mm-hmm. can be different for many people what is realistic and how mm-hmm. should we be looking at the timeline in our month-to-month experiences as women
2: Well, in a perfect world, of course, which we're not in, um, a woman would start to track and understand her her signs of ovulation even in um, her teen years so that by the time she's trying to conceive, she would kind of be an expert in knowing her body um, and would have had conversations with women who are very knowledgeable like maybe her mom or her doctor who would confirm, yes, that's kind of normal. Yes, it's normal to see that mucus. Yes, it's, you know, and, and so that's already been kind of looked at. But many of our our, our women today do, haven't had that. So like me, I got, you know, I took the pill for 10 years. I got off the pill and I really thought I would just magically get pregnant. Like it was a switch mm-hmm. that was flipped. Um, and I see this really almost every day in clinic where, where women do believe, you know, they've put this really, you know, I hate to say it, but they, they've been given a poison. That they've ingested for, for 10 years. And then it takes time for, to heal from that. So, so as soon as a woman can, can just start to really pay attention. So, so I would say, um, if a woman has, had been on the pill, um, I would definitely say a year of, of trying, um, and not getting pregnant. Um, then she, she really needs to seek help, but to start charting ASAP. Ideally, with a formal system that is taught by an instructor and not something that she just kind of um, figures out online on an app on her own because it just doesn't give her the education that way. Um, And then remember that even a healthy couple, 100% both couples, both sides of the couple are 100% healthy. It could take a healthy couple four months who have normal fertility. Four months to achieve a pregnancy. So that's really why we tell people to, if, if you think everything is really looking good, don't seek help until six months. In other words, if you've been charting with a, mo- with something like the Creighton model and you're not pregnant in six months, we have a problem, right? Because we know that healthy couples achieve in about four months. So if you've gone six months and you've been timing intercourse, you, you know, you have mucus, you know, the sperm can get to the egg and you've got the timing you know, locked down and you're, and you're using those days of fertility and you're not getting pregnant, I say at six months, it's time to get some hormones tested for sure. If you're charting with Creighton or something like that.
0: Okay, and I'm posting a link on social media to infertility specialists, that is NAPRO physicians in particular, uh, so that you can find one. And you can find uh, a Creighton model charting system a fertility care practitioner to work with you. That's what we did. We started with seeing the physician, started charting, started taking the data of charting to our physician. And even with that guidance, because you meet with uh, this fertility specialist, you know, whether in person or via video, I mean, they're able to look at your cycle and they're able to say, hey, what's going on here? And is this a repeat? Thing? I'm seeing every month where ovulation might not be occurring or it's being delayed because you know it seems like there's maybe some stress here or it could be over exercise or lack of sleep. There's so much information to gather about the body that is an indicator of what is happening and I think that time frame is refreshing Dr. Caldwell to see kind of based on the circumstances whether having been on birth control or not having been on birth control what is reasonable to start looking for help
2: yeah
0: can you talk to the importance of seeking out a napro physician and the difference mm. between you know what some of my argue is just a fertility specialist and a napro physician? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So again, you know, I just, I receive these women every day that have, have gone from birth control, got off birth control, went to the OB, got some advice from the OB, went to the fertility clinic. You know, this is the, so I, so I hear the story day in and day out. So I'm very familiar. So what typically happens is a woman will go to the OB um, and the OB will really reassure them often unfoundedly um and they'll say oh you know don't don't need to worry about it until it's a year without really asking questions about what's going on with her body the the woman's body so that's why i ask you know i'd say women get get out there and get charting so that because you're going to know more about your body than the ob and then occasionally you'll have an ob who will say um okay well let's just give you some clomid or let's just give you some uh letrozole or in other words let's give you something to boost ovulation without ever checking in with the woman's body to see what is going on and what might be the problem. And this is not really a great idea. Um, And and the the reason why is because um, most of the problem, honestly, in getting pregnant is going to be with the second half of the cycle called the luteal phase where progesterone is made or not made. That progesterone is key in helping that lining prepare, get healthy for implantation. So if we don't pay attention to that luteal phase and the progesterone and the luteal phase by testing it and by treating any, any deficiencies, um, which the OBs, by, by the way, don't really know how to do that because that's really been, been done through the, the protocols for that testing and treatment really come from the NAPRO um, research. Um, most OBs have no idea um, how to test that. So what will happen is they'll give Clomid or Letrozole or even at the fertility clinics, they'll, they'll quickly... And they'll do a cursory evaluation sometimes and then give these really strong doses of medicines to make the woman ovulate, but they're not paying attention to the hormones in the luteal phase and the, the quality of that lining. So many of these women, they, they get pregnant, but they don't stay pregnant. They have so many miscarriages because the, the entire chart is not being looked at. The entire cycle is not being looked at. And so it's really, it comes down to a philosophy problem right? Mm. OBs are taught how to suppress or manipulate the cycle. They are not taught how to, to ask the woman to ask her body, what's going on? What help do you need? Right? And so by, by using an APRO doctor and charting, the woman is able to turn to her body and ask hey, what's going on? What's right? What's wrong? What do you need help with? As opposed to just getting on a conveyor belt of sorts and going through whatever treatment is prescribed at this particular clinic without any um, recourse to what the woman's body uh, is is needing.
0: And each is different. That's what I love about our NAPRO physicians. You go in and you look at the whole person from stress, anxiety, relational situations to what's actually happening with the medical data and you treat her. You don't give her birth control. You don't give her, you know, some things that are just kind of a blanket attempt at helping. And you spoke also to the high rate of miscarriages for so many women. This is a part of that journey and that question of how do I get pregnant? And I'm a testament to this. I would not still be pregnant with either one of my children now if it weren't for monitoring progesterone levels with a NAPA physician. I am in the lowest zone of progesterone. I have been, you know, the, I know you guys look at three different zones of progesterone. Yeah. I've been in the mm-hmm. low, the lowest zone the entire time with this pregnancy and most last, and if I didn't take progesterone, there were moments where you're starting to see signs. You can see this in the data mm-hmm. of miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And this is the incredible science of NAPA physicians and how you were called to do what you do to help women in achieving pregnancy and keeping those babies right where they are. Dr. Caldwell, mm. I'm so thankful for every everything that you do. If you would like more information on these topics of women's health, fertility, check out her awesome blog, drsusancaldwell.com. It's drsusancaldwell.com. Post the link on social media in the podcast note. She's tagged on Instagram, and she talks about everything from detoxing from contraception, if that's where you've been, why you don't need it, and I highly recommend this. I had a woman just reach out to me a few weeks ago, her daughter wanted to go on contraception, leaving for college, and she was trying to figure out how do I talk my daughter out of it. And it's been the episodes with Dr. Susan Caldwell and others uh, where we've been able to, you know, give that as to as a resource to the mom and for the mom to listen with her college age daughter and to hear real evidence-based science and medicine to make real healthy choices for our bodies as women now as well as in the future. So check her out, drsusancaldwell.com. Again, links are on social media. I'll be right back here on Trending, and I'm going to talk about the incredible conversion of the actor Shia LaBeouf to Catholicism.
1: We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
0: There aren't a lot of stories that bring me to tears and just awe me when I hear them. But yesterday was released the conversion story of actor Shia LaBeouf is becoming Catholic. It's an exciting moment, I think, in the history sometimes of uh, not just the culture, but also the church to hear the stories of people such as Shia LaBeouf having this conversion, this very public conversion. Actor Shia LaBeouf, I know him from my childhood as a millennial from the show Even Stevens on the Disney Channel, where we would laugh our hearts out to the funny and silly things he would do to hurt himself and get himself in trouble. And he said at one point when he was asked by a priest, uh, what are you good at when he's trying to figure out his purpose in life? And he said, oh, well, I'm good at getting hurt and entertaining people uh, with kind of that running into stuff. And he realized at a certain point, he said that basically, you know, Padre Pio, who you may know is part of a major part of his conversion. He was asked to play the role of Padre Pio in an upcoming film, which trailers still aren't even out yet. I think it's going to be a phenomenal story. And Shia LaBeouf plays the young Padre Pio, but what he realized was this parallel between his own life of playing uh, Padre Pio and seeing the story of Padre Pio and how Padre Pio literally, I mean, he had the stigmata. His hands, his body bled uh, from the suffering, the wounds of Jesus Christ. And he realized that I too uh, have kind of suffered for people to enjoy, you know, entertainment. And Shia LaBeouf's story of salvation is an incredible story. We'll see him in the upcoming Padre Pio film as news breaks on that. But what happened is Shia LaBeouf over the last couple of years, as uh, he had this possibility of revamping his career. He saw this film as the opportunity to put himself back into the Hollywood scene. He was at rock bottom. You may have followed the stories. At an absolute mess, vulgarity. He was accused Of terrible things by an ex-girlfriend, everything from abuse to intentionally giving her an STD, all of which was never officially confirmed publicly, but what Shia LaBeouf did admit to was that he has hurt many people and very many people in his life. At the point of getting involved in this Padre Pio film, he wasn't even, his mother wasn't even talking to him. Uh, He couldn't get his talent agent, anyone in Hollywood, to call him back, and so when this opportunity arose, He was at absolute rock bottom. And he decided to start studying how to play this role of Padre Pio. He ended up going up to San Lorenzo in California to the Capuchins. And he basically ended up starting with living in the parking lot there at the Capuchin Seminary. And as in the words of Shia LaBeouf, I'd like to play with you much of his interview and conversation with Bishop Robert Barron. He says that Padre Pio saved his life. Listen to this.
1: You recognize rightly that this is more than a role. That this is Pio's interesting, because um, Pio also saved my life. I mean, it's it's not just like a like a movie or something like that. But and I don't mean that lightly. If you if you like immersive experiences and you get tasked with paying, playing Pio, your yeah. life is going to change. Well, I can get. I see that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That happened to you. Yeah.
0: So here is the beginning of his story, part of the interview. What ends up happening is uh, we see that Shia LaBeouf actually ends up sharing that one of the most profound elements of his conversion was that he had to learn how to celebrate the Latin Mass. Now, you may have remembered last year here on Trending, I broke the story that Shia LaBeouf was going to the traditional Latin mass. No one knew about it. It was very private. And I shared I had inside scoop because I had friends who were associated with a parish with where he was at. And we knew um, through association from someone else, the priest who was the pastor there. And one day Shia LaBeouf's there at daily mass. You probably remember me sharing this with you last year. And he shows up after mass and comes up to the priest and asks him saying, hey, I'm playing this role of Padre Pio. And I would like you to, you know, help walk me through celebrating the Latin mass. Well, it ends up being that by going to the Latin mass, learning the ins and outs of the Latin mass to imitate the celebration of the mass for the sake of the movie and playing Padre Pio, that this had a deep, deep activation within him with this conversion. Listen to his words here.
1: Latin mass affects me deeply, deeply. And and because it feels like they're not selling me a car. And when I go to some mass with the guitars and stuff, and I'm from, you know, Santa Inez, right? So that's where I was catechized. And there's a lot of guitar playing. And there's a lot of, like, what feels like, um, like they're trying to sell me on an idea. Whereas what I feel when I went to Oakland and went to, like, um, and, and by the way, there's a very incredible version of that as well that's super activating and very emotional that I've experienced up there with Father Bobby. There's also, and Father Peter, but there's also this something that happened you know christ the king in oakland does a latin mass every day of the week and it feels like it's it's not being done to sell me on anything Mm -hmm. and it feels almost like like i'm being let in on something very special and the quiet uh um the the it 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 activates something in me where it feels like i found something it's a little bit like a band Mm -hmm. when a band is pushed on you uh you it doesn't feel the same way as as you finding it when you find it then you root for it it feels like this special thing that you found and you protect it and you hold it and it's yours when somebody's selling me on something it it somehow takes my it kills the the my 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 um aptitude for it and my suspension of disbelief and my yearnings to root for it i'm I, I, i get it there's an immediate rebellion in me yeah yeah
0: I appreciate Shia LaBeouf's experience of the Latin Mass and how he speaks profoundly to the impact the traditional Latin Mass has on the individual. I've seen this firsthand and I know there's a lot of controversy over um, the lack of access to the traditional Latin Mass. I've shared it before. My husband, my family, and I, we do, do go to the traditional Latin Mass as often as we are able. And There's a difference in the Mass, and I think there is something special spoken to this conversion that Shia LaBeouf has had that many young people in droves are sharing. I have had countless people I've met in the younger generation, some of whom have said they felt as if their inheritance or their Catholic faith has been robbed from them as they suddenly discover the richness um, in the old tradition of the Latin Mass, And I think it speaks volumes to hear someone such as Shia LaBeouf, who shared he was, he wasn't an atheist, but he was agnostic, and we'll get to that in just a moment, that this experience of the Mass brought about a great love for him. It activated something within him. And that love of our Lord Jesus Christ, the reverence for the Eucharist, I think is something that we need to each fall back in love with again. Going to the Mass and discovering the mystery yet again. There's one point in the interview where Shia LaBeouf mentions that when he goes to Mass, it's like receiving a secret. That's how he feels. And I thought that was very profound because the Mass is a mystery. Jesus Christ's sacrifice for us is a mystery. And Shia LaBeouf is understanding that he's receiving The greatest secret, the greatest mystery, the greatest love any human being could experience. He shares a little bit about his faith journey. His mother um, was culturally Jewish, not a practicing Jew. He really had no uh, exposure to religion. He never read the Bible up until when he was there uh, basically living with the Capuchins. And he was living in his truck in the parking lot and spending time there, showering there. But he says at one point he was never an atheist. Listen to this.
1: I was I was never an atheist. I was always an agnostic, even when I was a Sam Harris TED Talk, you know, Christopher Hitchens guy, mm-hmm. which is who I was before I fell in. Um, um, it 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 um I always had a belief, but I never had like a connection. Latin Mass gave me something where I felt connected, uh, which took me out of belief into connection. Belief kept me, you know, I, I had belief because that's the rational, logical it's not logical or rational to be atheist. If you really go deep enough, you get to the Big Bang and then, then you're screwed again. You know, you have to right. account for it somehow, which puts you in a belief situation. Right. But too much of that logic and that too much of that rationale takes me out of feeling, which takes me out of connection.
0: It's interesting because Shia LaBeouf will walk through how he's had this profound experience of a feeling walking through, especially going to Mass and the feeling of Mass. And I think that's profound to speak to the mystery of the Mass, that the Mass is not rational, but he also dives into how he's read so much over the last couple of years in preparation for the Padre Pio role. And then since then, you know, diving into everything from St. Augustine's Confession, St. Thomas Aquinas, all of these rational thinkers, stories of conversion that I think speak so proficiently into the reality and the mystery of our faith. At the same time, the rationality, but again, the mystery that faith is not just something we can fully rationally understand. He shares that he was trying to rationalize for everything. He shares that he loved picking a Catholicism. He loved picking on Catholics before. But I want to dive into a little bit more of his story, uh, where he was at when he first entered into this Padre Pio, the potential for this Padre Pio role, and just how he shares he was really at rock bottom. Listen to this.
1: For a person who felt totally depraved when I walked in. You know, I walked yeah, into yeah. this, I, my life was on fire. I was walking out of hell. It wasn't like I, you know, I willingly came in here on a on a white horse singing uh, show tunes i came in here on fire and and i didn't want to be an actor anymore and my life was a mess complete mess and i had hurt a lot of people and i felt deep shame deep guilt i didn't like to go outside much i really like i had a i had a a yearning not be here anymore you know i was on my way out is it where you were when you accepted the role yes this is why when you spoke about the role i wanted to kind of dive in there because it's kind of formative to how this all happened to me i was willing because pain made me willing to go about this in a different way than I had previously. You know, my, my whole, my opinion about God before this happened, before the pain struck, before my world had crumbled was art, love and God, they all mean the same thing, they're synonymous. And as an artist who creates art, I found myself in a, in a, in a godly position often, right? Where I was in charge. And I had also been told my whole life like, Your life is your life. You have to make with it what you can, you know? You gotta be a good guy and then you gotta get married and then you gotta get a house and you gotta get a job and do good at your job and like, your life is your life and things will work out if you put effort in and, you know, um, it's up to you. And I always really felt that and it made it hard to believe in God because it felt like my managerial skills are what are going to amount to uh, a, a fulfilled existence. Yeah. When all of my designs failed, when all of my plans went out the window, when my life had led to serious infliction of pain and damage on other people, I threw up my hands like my plans are garbage and I don't want to be here anymore. And I have no, and I, that was required to enter P.O.
0: One of the neat things I saw in this Shia LaBeouf interview, which, by the way, that's actor Shia LaBeouf, speaking of his conversion to Catholicism, I told you a year ago it was going to happen. I share with you Inside Scoop, where he was going to Mass, where I knew people who were attending Mass, and he talks in the interview about how, when he heard the stories of people such as St. Augustine, when he was talking to the priests and the brothers, when he was basically living with the Capuchins for months, that he saw that he had a permission to be a sinner he saw the stories of others he also began to see in the midst of his suffering in the midst of being an absolute rock bottom that suffering is actually a gift and it's interesting to hear at one point i mean he talks about how depressed he was uh, he talks about how he didn't even want to go outside he didn't want to be here at anymore at one point in the interview he says i had the gun and he was literally suicidal and saint padre pio was interceding in his life. God was calling him to him. And I think this is what stands out so much to me about the Shia LaBeouf story is that this isn't something that Shia LaBeouf did. This was God beckoning Shia LaBeouf toward him. I want to talk a little bit about how Shia LaBeouf viewed God prior to this exposure with the Capuchins and then diving into reading the Bible for the first time. Listen to this where he talks about Christ and how he used to think that Christ was soft and sort of like a Buddhist.
1: My opinion of Christ at this point Felt almost like I was reading about a Buddhist, like this very soft, fragile, all loving, all listening, but no ferocity, no romance. Well, then you hadn't read the gospel. Hadn't read the gospel. At that point. <laughs> I just had these, this art that I yeah, had seen of right. like this very soft. More feminized. Yeah. Jesus. Yes. And so I hadn't had this idea of like a, the Old Testament, Christ on a horse, cape dipped in blood, sword. I had no uh none of that was in my lexicon of knowledge so all i knew about was this very soft meek jesus which didn't fit into my idea of what uh like my what masculinity would be i come from like a my dad was a mongol biker you know it's like we uh, it, it wasn't appealing to me and then i read about john the baptist and it became quite appealing his the the grizzle yeah right and then you get further into the gospel and you start getting into like elements of this like redemptive, it felt like I started reading about a route. I started like reading a map, like yeah. towards something that felt like um, let go. That's really what I got out of the gospels. If I could wrap it up in two words, it was let go. And at that time when I was reading it, I was holding on so tight to a life that I was slipping away through my hands, t- to a 35 years of management, that the gospel gave me this, um, this invite to just let go.
0: We're gonna skip through just a little bit here seeing how Shia LaBeouf shares he went from seeing that Christ is masculine, that he saw stories of John the Baptist as he's reading the gospel for the first time. And he said, it's like reading a map and he's seen let go. He talks about how he saw suffering was a gift and he shares, I didn't want to do this anymore prior to this. This is where I was coming from. He said, I I had the gun, you know, that I was there. I was at this point of despair. But then he shares about the warmth and the community that he experiences. People who draw him and catechizing him from the Capuchin priests and brothers to a religious sister. He talks about who would meet with him every day and catechize him. Listen to where he talks about falling into this group of people who absolutely loved and laughed with him and didn't expect anything from him.
1: And I started falling into this group and I'm living there. So I'm taking showers in, in there and I'm eating with them and we're hanging out. And, and they're uh, drawing you into the, the Christian, the Catholic thing. They're kind yeah. of drawing you into the gospel, into a certain way but of more life. Than that, It's not even like they're trying to, they're drawing me into like laughter. They're like sharing jokes with me it's like we're just like hanging out and i at this time i had no friends in my life
0: Hmm. here shia Bus talking about living with the capuchins it starts with just driving up the capuchin seminary there in california and living out of his truck watching the brothers go back and forth to suddenly living there with them and i want to give you this one little piece where he talks about he said here they're not asking anything of me. He was experiencing real, true, raw friendship. He was experiencing laughter. He was experiencing the joy of God after all of the brokenness he'd experienced. Listen here where he speaks about prayer.
1: I don't know nothing about prayer because I can't cultivate uh, an unforgiving... Mi- I don't know anything about silence. I don't know anything about quiet. I don't know anything about it. I got a cell phone in my phone that will give me everything my ego needs. It's buzzing all the time. I got all this... You know, there is no silence or I don't know anything about meditation. Meditation at this point, my life feels like a self-imposed timeout. Prayer feels like I'm memorizing somebody else's words, like I'm an actor, like I'm doing monologues for myself in my head. And Alex says, uh, just go into that chapel and just shut up. Where the Blessed Sacrament is. Yes, and just sit there, just sit there and be quiet.
0: So here Shia LaBeouf shares about his first experience of prayer, that he walks into that chapel and it changed his life, sitting before our Lord Jesus Christ, seeing him in the sacrament in, I ask the question, are we allowing our Lord to transform us too? That if God can bring people such as Lashile Abba from the depths of despair and where he was at to the joy of the gospel and the good news to this conversion union with him, he can do it with us too. Cradle Catholic, convert, wherever you might be not Catholic, but we need to enter into the silence of Christ. We need to sit before Christ. We need to experience and discover Authentic friendship. Authentic familiarity. And we only do that by entering into the mystery of Christ and especially through Mass as we saw after Shia LaBeouf's story, he was transformed by the grace of God. Have you joined us yet for our weekly happy hour on Trending? This is Tim Ray from Trending with Tim Ray. Mondays, we discuss everything from happiness, although it's fleeting, to joy, which is rooted in God. We address midlife crises, prayer, friendship, job satisfaction, and you name it, because who doesn't want to have lasting happiness, joy rooted in God? Join me daily at 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.